Blog Talk Radio. of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the geek girl's perspective, and I am the head huntress, and well, there's not a lot of geek girls on tonight, we got a good crop and a good mix of people, I have let the sexy witches have this episode off, as we discuss sentais and science fiction, yes, we are going all science fiction here tonight on the sexy witches. First half hour is going to be a talk about Doctor Who and its fandom and what's going on in uh, hor- and conventions across the country. There is a lot happening in the Doctor Who universe, and I'm going to bring on my new correspondent in that half hour. And then the second half hour, we're going to have a wonderful co- uh, conversation about Sentai and Power Rangers with Sean R. Reed, who's also a podcaster. We're going to talk to all these people in just a minute. So first things first, let me bring on my sexy witches that are my guest hosts tonight. In the uh, Ohio Valley is my boy, Dollar Bin, Eric Polk. He's been on the show before. He gave me my start in podcasting on his show, Podcast Dollar Bin Horror Radio. You can still occasionally see him guest write, and he is a sick author, so please buy his book, Primitive Glow. Please welcome to the show, Dollar Bin, Eric Polk. How are you doing, sir? Hey, now, what is up? Tremendous Tuesday what evening is- to you, and... Uh- after hearing after hearing that um after hearing that intro, I have a sudden urge for custard and fish fingers tonight. Ah, I wonder where that happened. I wonder where that comes from. So I I love the Time Lords and actually have the forty five of that song in my jukebox. I have a real jukebox downstairs with like one hundred forty five of it. And Time Lords get the slot. So just remember that. Uh, so uh, I think. 
I think I have my other sexy witch up, but I'm going to bring on the other one that's already on the line. Now, my guest for this half hour, uh, she is actually someone I met in Atlanta. We actually did the podcasting panel at Days of the Dead Atlanta this year, and she had this super geekerific dress on that was absolutely amazing. It turns out she turns out to be a huge science fiction nerd and particular loves Doctor Who, so she's going to talk with us in this first half hour. So please welcome to the show my sexy witch of the sunny midnight, Brittany Goldilock. How you doing, girl? Welcome to the sexy witch. I am good. Thank you. So glad to be here. How are you guys? Oh, we're wonderful. It's great to be alive right now, as they say on Hamilton, right? So, um, <laughs> so great. I'm get, I, I think my other co-host finally came on the line. He's a little late, so we're going to go <clears throat> when he comes on the line. But let's bring him on. Hold on just a second. Hello. You're on with the Sexy Witches. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. You're late, my dear. I know. <laughs> I was so close, too. Oh, well, it's all good. You're right on time, actually. Only you know. So, welcome to the show. This is my uh, my guest host tonight. Is usually a regular correspondent, but tonight he is playing co-host. And so, this is my cousin, the sexy warlock of Orange County, and he has got a very. I have him doing a lot of stuff tonight. So, listen to him. He's going to stay on for a, a almost the whole show, whether he likes it or not, because he's got a lot of stuff to talk about. He loves science fiction, and he's a singing waiter. So what else do you need in life? Welcome to the show, because Aaron Kogan. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How's everyone this evening? Excellent. Pretty fantastic. Aaron, we have Eric Polk on the line, Dollar Bin Eric Polk, who's, of course, my local resident Star Wars and Doctor Whovian geek. And we have uh, my guest tonight, Brittany Goldilock, who is a podcaster from Atlanta. She is on the BS Hour, among other podcasts that she goes on, and uh, she's going to talk Doctor Who with us right now. So let's start out. Um, Okay, so I want to get a quick poll, and we're going to – who here is a fan of both the old and the new period? And when I mean the old period, Doctor Who's end at Colin Baker-ish, then we'll pass that up to, and then starting with Eccleston onto uh, Cabaldi. Who, where, where are we at? So I know what kind of fandom we got here tonight. Both. Both, both. Both. Both, both? I, yeah, both. I did okay. both, but I'm more of a new girl. Okay, so you're new Whovian, and uh, I'm actually old school Whovian. Yeah, I'm actually old school. Uh, I don't have a lot of the new ones under my belt, though I know I can talk confidently about the new ones, especially some of the earlier stuff uh, with David Tennant. And uh, I watched the entire was it Eccleston's episode season, which is only like six episodes, but boy, are they really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, love uh, it. You know. What happened? Why did he leave the show so quickly? Do we actually know that story? Oh, I, man. Yes. 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 He didn't want, it was, they fought. So the, the, the producers didn't like the direction that it was going with him. He was not the doctor that they wanted. And he also was not happy with um, what type of doctor that he was. He wanted to go in a different direction. So mostly it was just artistic differences, really. Um, there had been a lot of speculation, but I think a few years ago he finally came out and was like, that's what it is. He's still not happy about it. But, you know, and honestly, he is my favorite doctor. 
He doesn't get wow. enough love. Yeah, I know. That's what everyone does to me. They're like, Eccleston? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So actually for Dragon Con this year, which is the big nerdy sci-fi convention, well, pop culture convention that we have in Atlanta, um, they have this thing called the Bunny Hutch, and it's on Thursday nights, and everyone dresses up as a sexy, nerdy Playboy Bunny or Hefner version that's really nerdy. So I'm going to do the Ninth Doctor as a bunny, and I'm actually um, moving away from what I normally do, which is a Deadpool bunny. So um, we're just going to have a giant group of Whovians just dressed as Playboy Bunnies and Hefners that are various Tardises and weeping angels and companions, and it's going to be great. So, But nine is my favorite. He just has a place in my heart. And, I mean, everyone loves ten. People love eleven. But nine, nine is my heart. Uh, first of all, I haven't seen – I have only seen maybe one episode of the Matt Smith episodes. And I've only seen a smattering of the David Tennant's, even though I'll say this. I love David Tennant for other things that he's done. I mean, oh, man, right? it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, and Jessica Jones was absolutely flooring a, a performance, by the way. So, yeah, so you know, good. yeah, so good. And, and so one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about Doctor Who is that I live in D.C. All right. D.C. is about as nerdy as they get. They still, I mean, there was only two two places in the country for a while that were playing Doctor Who. And that was San Francisco, where I was growing up in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And here in the D.C. area, I think you might have got it in L.A., um, Red Dwarf, yeah. certainly there was only two PBS stations in the country playing Red Dwarf at that time, or and Blake 7, <laughs> so you can, you know, so, uh, you know, rare, 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 and, and Doctor Who was part of that lineup, uh, you know, earlier, Blake 7 and all that weird stuff. Uh, so I, I'm more like, I, like, once again, I always call myself classically trained, because I've seen every mm-hmm. single episode of the original from Dr. One all the way through Colin Baker, which is Dr. Seven or Eight, I think, if I remember right. I always, always lose track because I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. You know. Six. Yeah, six. Uh, I actually don't know much about past that. There's like a little bit hole. I think my teenage years, there's a hole there <laughs> that I need to fill. Uh, and, but that doesn't seem to be a problem in D.C. because we are so nerdy here. We have several science fiction and horror conventions and comic book conventions all up to Wazoo. And we'll talk about it briefly later on. But Regeneration Who is this weekend, which is the, um, the largest Doctor Who convention on the west, on the east, Mid Atlantic East Coast. So, uh, so uh, it, yeah. So uh, you know, there's, so there's a lot of stuff going on. But I won't say I, I as much as I think Doctor Who's awesome. I won't say all of it is very good because as Eric and I were doing for a while, we were watching the earlier stuff together. Like we would sometimes watch it together, or we would watch episodes and talk about it. And Eric was going through because he hadn't seen any of the early, early stuff, the, the historical episode period. So Eric Polk, talk about the historical episode period of Doctor Who and how well, people seem begin, to forget. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't educa- it was yeah cuz it it was it was originally supposed to be an educational program you yeah. know the doctor was supposed to be this uh this this uh eccentric professor that took that took uh, his companions around for that took his companions around different places in time i remember uh, i think it was i think it might have been during the madness when science fiction was allowed one of the two years if i remember correctly i was watching the aztecs oh my god let's and this is all from the first Doctor, the Aztecs. I believe he also went. 
I just finished watching the uh, series where he's in the Old West during the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral, and it is so hilarious <laughs> hearing these British actors doing American accents. It is hilarious, you know, and they normally do it quite well, but here, I mean, you could tell the budget was uh, kind of low, you know, for that particular series. It was it was amazing. Let's see, the French... Oh my goodness, the French the French Revolution that was that was actually that was a really that was a, a really good series. But yeah, um, he was originally supposed to be like this uh, eccentric professor that took his companions around from uh, place to place in different historical periods in time. Kind of like the way back machine, but for science fiction geeks, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I, it gets better though. I, it does get better. The second Doctor gets pretty good. And then around mm-hmm. the second end of the second Doctor, you get the first really major companion, and that would be Mary Jane. And Mary Jane mm-hmm. carries on for not just one Doctor Who, but for three Doctor Whos through many se- episodes with even Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor, which is the one I knew first run, uh, dating me here. Uh, you know, but you can see being a girl of the 70s, you know, you had Star Wars, which we're going to talk about later on tonight. You had Doctor Who and Tom Baker, who by, I still arguably, I know that you like Eck, and Eck is great. I, I actually love Eck, too. He's up in my top five favorite Doctors as well. But Tom Baker's always going to reign supreme, partly nostalgia, because, yes, I grew up with him. But have you ever watched this fourth Doctor episode and how smarmy he is and how much of a jerk and wonderful and cute and adorable and an asshole. He is just the most fun Doctor <laughs> of all the Doctors. Especially yeah. coming on the heels of Pertwee, who was my first Doctor. And Pertwee was borderline scary. Uh, and and Baker was just uh, a goofball. So Pertwee was a badass. I'm sorry, from the Pertwee episode. was a badass. It's true. Big time. <laughs> yeah, well, but he, and, he, and his, his Victorian tones and everything. Ew. Mm-hmm. And the episode that transitioned Pertreat into uh, Tom Baker, which is the, I was at something of the spiders, Planet of the Spiders. It's like the series. Mm-hmm. It's actually a, one of my single favorite sets of Doctor Who episodes ever. I, you know, it, it's, it's really good. And it's very seamless transition. Not like when Tom Baker's character snuff it, which up. Whoa. Is there a monster on the line? All right. Okay. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tortoise landing in my room, living room. Oh, my gosh. He's saying hi to us. So, so uh, you know, uh, when when Tom Baker's character finally snuffs it and they move on to the next Doctor, uh, you know, it, it was actually rather sad. It was like a ter- it was such a sad episode, such a devastating thing, and I, I could not watch Doctor Who for a while after that. I was pretty upset for a while. It's like they killed off it. They do that. You know, I know that he always comes back, but I never quite like loved it the way I did after Tom Baker died. But it gets very solid. You've got a bunch of other people in there. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't even think of his name. I have my notes. Where the heck are you? Peter Davison was the fifth one. Yeah. Peter Davison was, was the fifth one. But he didn't last very long. You know, yeah, he three kind years. Of in I think and they out. All, yeah, they've all lasted so, three years except for the eighth Doctor because he only got a TV movie. Yeah, Paul McCain. Mm-hmm. McCann. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Paul McCann, yeah. Well, and then, obviously, Eccleston. He only got one. But 
Yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, aside from yeah, him well, and Capaldi, who I love, but he's only getting two because he's leaving us. But I, I love him. I, I really, really like him. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of the first doctor as far as attitude goes. I mean, it's kind of like grumpy attitude about something. Mm -hmm. I liked Peter Cabaldi as the doctor. I actually, a lot of people, I was listening to a lot of people like, it's no longer, he's not a cute guy anymore. I'm like, have you actually ever looked at the length of a series that she got three hot men in a row was kind of anomalous compared to like, the rest of like Doctor Who as a whole, and and not to mention Time Lords can look and be anything they want to be. So right. deal. Uh, you know, you know, uh, you you know, know if the rumors that. are true, if the rumors are true, and there uh, is Kate Blanchett, they're really going to be upset. That's about as far uh, from a cute guy as you can go. Right. Tilda Swinton, <laughs> Tilda Swinton is also up for the role, supposedly. Uh, her name has come up officially as a Doctor Who shortlist. There's a couple of oh, please, oh, please, men. Please. There's a couple of men I thought were really good choices, and I can't think of who it is right now. And I was like, oh yeah, I should write that down, and I didn't. Uh, but you know, there's there's a lot of good names being thrown around. I really don't want it to be. Oh, it, and my boy from Being Human. Uh, he would be. Awesome. Oh. He was called up. You know, uh, the British being being, Adrian Turner, he's up for Doctor Who. Uh, You know, I I have no problems with that at all. Um, (laughs) I loved Adrian Turner (laughs) in anything. I didn't even like what they did to him in The Hobbit. I hated The Hobbit, but it's still Adrian Turner. (laughs) Even though if I re-edited that movie, I would cut his character completely out. But that's just me. Uh, almost like it would have been like you'd be in two scenes and then he'd be out. That would be it. Um, but uh, that's just me. I have issues with that movie. That's a whole different episode. Uh, it so, is. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, I want to say that I'm really excited because uh, Awesome Con, even though they've had issues with queuing when the Doctor Who fans come, because John Barrelman is done almost every year, Awesome Con, and he's huge straw. Everyone goes to see John Barrowman and his wife, Carolyn Barrowman, who's a, a comic book. She draws comic books, which is actually amazing. Um, and um, and so they're both going to be at Awesome Con. And, and then they started to announce, then they announced David Tennant, and all of us went, ah, right, because it's David Tennant, right? So we're all excited. And, and then they started announcing one of his other companions, and I was like, wait a minute. If we get Billy Piper, it's a complete set of of, of Doctor of that season of Doctor Who. Sure enough, yesterday they announced Billy Piper is going to be an awesome con. So my nice. favorite, oh, man. My, wow. my favorite companion. I know a lot of people give shit to Rose, but I absolutely like love her and I love <laughs> Billy Piper and I can't help it. I'm a huge fan of Secret Diary of the Call Girl, which was his oh my god, me too. She did. Oh, and so, like, I actually knew her from that before I actually knew her as a Doctor Who uh, episode. Right. Uh, but I really love the episode she did with Eccleslie. There's some there's some really scary shit going down. She's in that episode with John Barrowman where they are do- with the face, with the little little guys with their face with the gas mask going, are you my mommy? With the gas mask, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, okay. that is such a... Are you my mommy? Yeah, that is so creepy, and I've seen people at horror conventions actually cosplaying those characters. Uh, you know, but you so know, it's, it's so like, good. 
It's like, it's literally one of my favorite episodes ever because that is the I actually have a wallet that my I call her my hetero life mate. Uh, she's my best friend. She gave it to me for Christmas, and it's got uh, Chris Eccleston etched on it, and it says Justice Once Rose, Everyone Lives, and um, because that's the episode because. Aww you're so used to people dying in Doctor Who. Like, that was the thing. Yeah. Like, he's always trying to save them, but there's always someone who dies, and he hates it. But then there's this beautiful, triumphant moment where he's just like, you know what? Everyone, everybody gets to live. And it's wonderful. And I, it is, that episode is creepy, but it's also one of the best. And it's one of the reasons I really do like Eccleston. Like, I really, I really can't say enough nice things about him. Like, people whine. And they're like, oh, he's just so, he's such a downer, and he's mean. And I'm like, you have to realize, he is the, he's at that mean. time, he was the survivor from war. <laughs> so, well, yeah, what's no, that to he, he, about? He, he, I actually Are they saying like the actor's angle. mean? Mm-hmm. Are they you saying know, the I, actor I, Eccleston is mean? Uh, no, they they're saying like, they just don't like the ninth doctor. They're like, they don't like his portrayal, because... Right. They, yes, he's very brooding and very dark. I'm like, but, but, but look but at his outfit. I liked like, it. I terrible. thought the angle was kind of awesome because it was a little yeah. bit different than other Doctor Who's. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, yeah, he was le- literally mm-hmm. the last Time Lord, and they were down to one Dalek. That's it. There were two of them. That was it. They were the last two of their own species. They were going extinct. Uh, you're going to be a little bit dark when that happens. And the whole thing right. is that Billy Piper, and this is here where the Rose comes in, because Rose is the first companion that you can tell that a, a, a doctor actually has real feelings for. Like, you know, like there's hints of it there. And he does sacrifice himself for her. And, uh, you know, so her story is that she's bringing him out of his shell and making him a person again and to pay that back, he gives himself up. I think that's an amazing story arc. Right. And Mm -hmm. you know what? But he does have lots of light moments. That's just it. There are plenty of times where he's being silly and he's being funny and being the doctor that people knew and loved before. It's just that. When you go through something really traumatic, you can't always be cheerful and perky. So, I don't know. They, I, I really think it was an age thing. He was a little – yes, he was younger than some of the other doctors, but he wasn't the heartthrob that people wanted. Like, I think Eggleston, especially then, was super hot. So, I, but I have a thing for, like, military gear and whatever. So, that's just well, me. He, but, he was in Neil Marshall's Dog Soldiers, and I absolutely yes. adore that movie. I so, love that movie. What, yeah, when, when I found out that he got Doctor Who, and I was like, that's he. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> I had no problems with that <laughs> whatsoever. You <laughs> know, so, um, wasn't that also the same set of episodes where the uh, what's her name the flat the the flat woman the woman the oldest human on earth who has turned her yeah. into oh, yes. a flat yes, yes. yeah Cassandra yes Cassandra Cassandra is yes. awesome <laughs> I love Cassandra like some of my favorite episodes have been about her and then the that big head. Uh, that the face of <laughs> Bo, yes, face of Bo, yes. I, I've seen some of those episodes. They're pretty funny episodes. I like those. And that's yeah, like the... he is funny. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what the name of the aliens were, but it it was in the Eccleston one where they had like bad had bad gas because their skin because they took the they took the they took human form and their skin was like really tight, so they had to. Oh yeah, and they took over the. Uh, that was the 
the politicians. That was really funny. Yeah. That episode yeah, totally like that. rocked it. And it had some pretty high stakes. You weren't at one point. You're not actually sure they're gonna get out. I mean, it, they're really even for the doctor. They it, it wrapped up the stakes pretty high, and I like that because the problem with the doctor I've always had. It's kind of like Superman. You know he's gonna get out. He always gets out. Right. It's you know mm-hmm. and, you know now there's an exception. The episode where um it, like Eccleston when he dies, and of course when Tom Baker falls off the fucking tower. But that's another story. Uh, and mm-hmm. then there's also this. But then there's the episode where Billy Piper is finally separated from the doctor and they're in different dimensions. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. That episode's pretty heartbreaking, actually. I, I actually think, I, I was like, wow, this is really deep. What's going on here? Uh, so, um, but that's actually kind of where my uh, Doctor Who modern stuff ends because I really don't follow much of it past that. See, some of the Christmas episodes. I always find the Christmas episodes extremely bizarre. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the River the River Sun episode from a couple of years ago. Like, how many husbands does this woman have? I mean, is she alive? Is she dead? What's what in God's name is when God's name is going I on here? I love River. She's so good. Yeah, that you said her Hello Speed was like amazing. a message shown for mine once. So I have another question for you guys. This is more just funny. Uh, how do you feel that you know you heard about those stupid CIA leaks about the name that like the secret names of some of their programs that break into other programs? You know they're hacker bullshit, uh-huh. right? One of oh, them yeah. was called Project Weeping Angel. <laughs> no way. Yes what? way. Right. <laughs> I know who works for the NSA, and you know you, you all are, are science fiction fans. So you all know the reference to Brave New World, right? Yeah. Damn right. It's one of my favorite novels. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we have the alphas, and then you have the betas, which the betas are kind of like the working, like upper working class, and they do all the white collar mm-hmm. jobs, and they're like set their computers all day and do nothing but code. That's what these guys do at the NSA. They're a bunch of nerds. Don't think that they're these military people. No, the ones that are doing the work are nerdy nerd nerd nerds like us, even more so, <laughs> you know. And so they have to be Doctor Who fans. Once again, I told you, everyone around here is a Doctor Who fan, everyone. More so than even Star Wars because, you know, Star Wars pushes up to the science fiction and fantasy side of things much more than and Doctor Who's fantasy, but they try to keep the universe – Con, you know, continuity, even with timelines, it's very difficult, but they've been trying to, at least in the modern ones. I, I can't say that, for, honestly, for the earlier ones, because the earlier ones are kind of all over the map and dependent on budget. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, uh, what do you guys think of the new Cyberman design? They're going back to the earlier, like, season one stuff with the Cybermen. Have you seen it yet? I've seen the pictures of it. Yeah, it's looks more like the Tin Man than like looking like they have those cans on their heads that they're drinking with the hats. So, you know, they always look like they look like they, <laughs> yeah. they always look like they have the drinking hats. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna hold judgment until I actually watch uh, watch the new, watch the season premiere. So yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna hold off on that for right now. So. All right, we're gonna we're, we're getting close to 9:30, and I want to get to Brittany here for a second, Brittany. I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. If you could have any any United Kingdom, I'm going to say United Kingdom actor or actress, let's not be let's not be narrow-minded here, um, play Doctor Who in season 
14, what would you want, whom would you want them to play? Who's your short list? Ooh, um, I've had this, <laughs> I've had this conversation. <laughs> um, so if I'm wanting, really, this is hard. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I can never say his name, but if, are you guys familiar with, um, uh, the IT crowd? It's a the British TV show. It's about yeah, the guys who work in IT. Yeah. yeah. So okay, it's yeah, Moss. Yeah. They want Moss to be the mm. doctor. Wow. Which I think it's like Richard, Richard Iodade. I always mess up his name, but I think he would be good. I think he would be funny. And I, I mean, and he's quirky. I think he could do it. Um, if I wanted to, because everyone's been having this whole thing of like, you know, the doctor doesn't need to always be like a, a white British man. It could be a woman. It could be a person of color. It could be all these different things. So like, I just went crazy with it. I was like, well, if you want to keep him British, but if I want to spice it up, I would like Idris Elba. It would never happen because he's way too fucking big right now. But yeah. if we could have Idris Elba be the doctor, I mean, he's already the gunslinger and they wanted him to be James Bond. I'm okay with him being the doctor. Yeah, and... but he's so hot, and he's about to do some gym <laughs> again. You know, you know, he's got kaiju problems right now, so he's got a one science fiction at a time. Fuck it, he's not even in Star Wars, right? You know, at this point, right? He's in Star Wars and no, Star Trek. No. I think he's, he's in everything, he's in Star right? Trek. He was in Star Trek, yeah. Star Trek, yes. So, oh my God, he's just in everything. It's crazy. He uh, is. So, but I'm just saying, if I wanted some eye candy, I'd want. Thank about, you. I want it. <laughs> in the same vein, I would also say Cheadle Elijah Ford would might be a really good choice. He's very good at science fiction. He was already in Firefly. Uh, exactly. So I, I I wouldn't mind him being Doctor. Uh, Aaron, what about you? What would you? Who would you want on the short list of Doctor? I think Tilda Swinton can pull it off, honestly. She'd be pretty bad. I just don't want her. I just don't want her. Like, I love her as an actress, but I just don't want her. Well, that's like how I feel about Tom Hiddleston playing Bond. I, he's, I'm sure he'd be oh, great yeah. as Bond. I don't want him to get stuck in roles like that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I want, I want him to be able to do the weird, fucked-up movies like High Rise where we get to see him naked. Let us have those things, please. <laughs> you know? So... <clears throat> Uh, well, so Aaron Kogan. Yeah, Come yeah, on, I, I totally agree. Um, and and in fact, they they did mention uh, Idris Elba as a possibility back before we got our Scottish doctor. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would have been totally cool with that if it had happened. But yeah, he's probably way too hot now, movie star. Uh, <laughs> but um, if if Tilda Swinton would consider it. I'd be over the frickin' moon because I've never seen anything uh, that she's been in that I haven't completely fallen in love with her. Uh, pretty much the same thing for Kate Blanchett. Um, gosh, who else would I love to see? Well, there? that would make the um, first New Zealand actor to play the doctor if she got the role, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, that would be, be interesting. Fun, but but still, you know keeping it in the Commonwealth, so that that's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Here, here's my thing, and because I am so old school, because I do go back to Baker and even past Baker, uh, mm-hmm. my, when I consider the doctor, I don't consider him romantic. 
for humans, and it's really weird when they do. It, for me, it's like, hmm, imagine a, a love story between a man and a wasp. doesn't really work for me romantically. Uh, mm-hmm. The doctor, in my <laughs> mind, is so far above. It's just weird when they keep pairing it romantically. But ever since Eccleston, <coughs> they've kind of reached and even Gunn, to a certain extent, they've retuned it a little bit. And now I don't know that they can get away from not having a romantic thing with the companion wow. and or the human guest stars. I think it's just built in. I mean, for fuck's sake, 10 married uh, good Queen Bess, apparently, and had a romantic thing with her. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, because he's hot and that's what he has to do. So, <laughs> And it's frustrating, though, because it's frustrating because when they got Capaldi and then they put him with Clara, they were like, okay, he's going to be older. So it's like it seemed like they wanted to backpedal off from the romantic a little bit, but not too much because it's, I think they wanted to leave that loophole of it could be an older guy with this younger girl because that's completely okay within societal standards anyway. But if we don't want to do that, we can just have it go back to being more of, you know, a very platonic, almost uh, the Doctor and Donna situation, which mm. Donna was, was my favorite companion. She's just – Donna rocks. And it was weird. I no one like I get she was like really annoying and brash in the beginning, but she had such a good storyline and she has like one of the saddest endings for a companion. Spoilers. Yeah. But it's just mm-hmm. she's one of my favorites and um I think if they could do that again, I mean I'm I'm okay with like romantic angles, but if we can just let it be more about the story, because right now and for a while, it felt like Moffat is just putting himself in the shoes of the doctor and throwing hot women at himself. So that's why he mm. had Rose. That's why he Good had um, Amy. Like, these are the women. They are, and that's the thing. They were all, like, young, very nubile. He's Martha, very, you know, smart women who just wanted to fawn over the doctor. And then I think people finally were like, we're tired of it. So he's like, well, let's throw Dawn in here. But I'm like... But Donna's attractive, too. It's not like she's a hag. She's just older. So, um, I don't know. It was weird. I love Donna. I love Donna's attitude so much. I love Donna's, is it your granddad? Yeah, yes, granddad. Yes. He's yes, awesome. Granddad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, love this that. little doddering old fool. I love him. <laughs> I yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I thought I read something recently where they were talking about bringing gun back in a very limited way. Has anyone else heard or seen anything on that? I did, but I didn't give it much service, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, not like they were talking about bringing him back as the next doctor, but just, you know, having something more with him. Right. I heard something Um, about Tom Baker being on this season. Is that true? Tom Baker is going to pop, is supposed to do something related to the He did. He did. He was awesome. Yeah. It was such a great little moment. Oh, made my heart go bitter bad. Aw, so, well, we got to wrap this up because, unfortunately, we have two people that have to get up super, super early, Aaron Kogan. Yeah. Um, Eric Eric has to get up at five, and so does Brittany. Yeah. So, Brittany, well, well, any final thoughts on Doctor Who? Uh, this conversation could have kept going, believe me. We could have been right. talking here for a while. Um, and please tell me about where they can find you on the interwebs. 
Well, uh, I'm excited for the new doctor. It's very going to be very bittersweet for me. Uh, I do love Capaldi. Uh, I'm interested to see where they go with this new companion, Bill. And I'm I'm just going to love it and rock it and keep being a great Whovian fan. But um, you guys can talk to me about Doctor Who and Marvel and DC and Batman and Deadpool. You can find me on Twitter um, at Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y, Burlesque. Um, and you can also find me on my own little podcast with uh, Sean. It's called Sean Castic, which is S H A U N C A S T I C. Sean Castic, and uh, we have our own little mini corner, which we call the BS Hour, which is the Brittany and Sean Hour. And uh, we do just this: hmm. we just rattle on about all things nerdy and geeky. And sometimes we have like people call in and ask personal questions about us, and it's all fun. So. Come and find me. Come say hi. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, Brittany, for coming on. And thank you for, I was so excited. I know that I don't, I usually it's only like myself on a panel. Mm-hmm. And, and and even though it, like gender doesn't really matter to me, and it was nice to have another female <laughs> on the panel with what? me. And that was great. You know, so, you know, know that there's kindred spirits out there because I'm always looking for kindred sexy witches. And please come back on the show. Mm-hmm. And please, would you come on right before Dragon Con and do a preview for us? A friggin' course. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so we will talk about different cons that I do. So, yes, I will absolutely talk to you about cons all day long. All right, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk some con very soon with you. So uh, much love. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna take a quick break and uh, once again thank you. And Eric Polk is also heading out. So any final words, sir? Well, it's the end, but the moment has has been prepared for. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this last season with uh, Mr. Capaldi for sure. And I'm going to keep going back and looking through. Uh, the old Doctor Who episodes, I'm actually just about finished with the first Doctor. I have, like, only two more serials left to go with him. But I've been, bouncing, I've been bouncing it. Yeah, I've been bouncing around back and forth between him and Tom Baker. I even watched the Sylvester McCoy, the seventh Doctor's a Remembrance of the Dogs, and that was <laughs> fantastic, fantastic storyline. So, so but, great. Uh, I wonder if they'll will... find – I was going to say, uh, I wonder if they'll back. find any more uh, audio tapes – uh, from episodes that we've lost the video for, and they'll they'll do more yeah, I, animation for. That was exciting. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That was that was awesome. I mean, I, I found like similar things like on other streaming websites, but yeah, but about the power of the dogs. Oh my god, that's that's that was phenomenal. The way they had it restored and everything. So, but um, yeah, well, I'm look, looking. I'm sorry. When's your next book coming yeah. out? Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm work I'm actually researching I'm actually uh, researching the next novel right now. I'm going. This is going to sound a little bit weird coming for me, but I'm actually reading up on some classic Greek mythology right now. I'm actually on the in the middle of reading the Odyssey. And ooh, I finished reading ooh, the Iliad ooh. here a couple. Of, yeah, oh yeah, I finished reading but, the Iliad here a couple couple days ago. So. Oh, well, let's talk off air about that because I am a fucking Greek myth expert, and I'm not bragging. I really am. So we'll talk oh, about yeah. that. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But much love. Go get some sleep. And we got to change gears because my uh, next guest is, uh, has been holding very patiently. And so we need to bring him on. So thank you again, Eric Polk. Come back on. Give us an update on Doctor Who's. We're going to no talk problem. about some more Star Wars with you in the near future. And Absolutely. there's a few other things. So And, of course, call right. whenever the fuck you want, to be honest with you. I All really right. don't care. 
You can call. You Absolutely. can call if you just wanted to get your nails done and just wanted to call and talk. You could do that. I'd be cool. With that. I don't think we'll go that far. So. But all right. So, Elonzi, right. everybody. Good night now. Good night. All right. So, so that was the uh, and Brittany is still there. I am. All right, sweetie. I'm gonna let you go. Have a much love, right. and um, yes. I will let Sean give you uh, – Sean's been listening, so, uh, you know, give him your love, and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, Sean, he's so wonderful. Sean, yeah. what's up? Uh, I will go ahead and say that uh, the new Power Rangers movie is going to suck, and with that, I will bow <laughs> out. Have fun. That, much love. Bye-bye. And that was Brittany <laughs> Goldilock, my Sexy Witch of Sunny Midnight from Atlanta, Georgia. I am very, very happy to have her on, and that was way too short. So I'm going to bring on my next guest after a quick uh, note switch. Give me just a second. Hey, this is Steve Cardenas, a.k.a. Rocky the Red Power Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and you are listening to the Sexy Witches. We're changing gears big time now from actual smart, straight up, old school science fiction to who gives a fuck. Let's get some big robots and bash the shit out of each other. Let's change subjects here. We're going to talk about Sentai. And I wanted to welcome to the, uh, my next guest on the show. He is also from the uh, Georgia. He's from the Athens area. And I met him also at Days of the Dead with Brittany. He happened to be on the same panel. And it's kind of funny because, no, it's not the Sean that she works with, but his name is Sean. And you can find him all over the interwebs. I'll let him tell him all about it. So please welcome to the show, uh, Sean R. Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hey, how are you guys? I'm doing very well. And if it makes it easier, you can call me by my uh, nom de plume, the Rad Ranger uh, it's very fitting for the topic as well. <laughs> so it helps separate the two Shans in the world. It keeps the uh, – so that way I don't, I don't get any right. sort of trademark you, infringement. You are the Rad Ranger. I totally forgot about that. It's so funny. <laughs> See, I've been asking for weeks for someone to come on this show because I knew I was going to talk Sentai tonight. And there's – you know, there's a few Sentai fans out there, but there's not as many, and or they won't admit to it. And then I saw your banner, like, like a couple days ago. With big Power Rangers on it. And I'm like, I wonder if he's a fan of Power Rangers and Sentai. And so thank you, sir, for being on the show at last minute. Not a I really appreciate it. So you're on with me. I am Liz Gray, as you know. We were on the panel together. My co host here yep. is Aaron Kogan. Believe it or not, he is my cousin. Uh, and he lives on the West Coast in L.A., and he is going to do previews of WonderCon later on today and talk about the Star Wars stuff at Disney. So he's got nice. stuff to do later. So we're a very busy science fiction show today. We <laughs> talked about Doctor Who. And so let me ask you, because you obviously are a fan of Power Rangers. What makes you excited about the new movie? Uh, excited is an interesting word. I would say the way I've been explaining uh, my feelings towards the new movie are cautiously optimistic. Um, oh, that's there, a good there have been, yeah. Yeah, there have been parts of it that I've seen that, that I've not been a huge fan of um and, and if you've ever heard me on other podcasts I, I tend to i tend to be the guy that just looks at something and says that's gonna suck and then goes into it and finds all the reasons why it sucks um i'm, I'm very i'm a very cynical old bastard that way and uh but for this one i really 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 want this movie to be really 
I, I want it to be a solid film. I want it to be. I want kids to be able to enjoy it. I want the old school fans like me. And uh, to be clear, I'm a very old school fan. Uh, in that, when Power Rangers came out, I was already five, six years older than the target demographic. Uh, so I'm, same here. I'm, I'm same here. I'm a lot older. I was just finishing senior year in high school and was moving on to my early years of college when uh, Power Rangers was at its height. So I was actually way outgrown it, per se. Yeah, but yeah. I was I, I was in college and I got uh, and I decorated my dorm. I went to the kids section and I got all <laughs> the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger stuff. And that's <laughs> like I had Mighty Morphin Power Ranger bed sheets, pillowcases. Um, <laughs> I was I was basically ensuring I was never going to get a date uh, in college, uh, at least for that first year. But yeah, that was my, my freshman dorm when I went to the University of Georgia was all Power Ranger stuff. And that's actually where the Ranger nickname came from. Started uh, way, way, way back in the glory days of 1994. So um, yeah, I was, and, and it, suffice to say, I was the only one that had a room decorated like that. Uh, it was not a uh, a common occurrence um, in uh, in the early '90s in, in colleges across America. Well, you know, when when I would go home, um, it it would just have the advantage of being what was on literally as I walked in the door. So that's why I ended up watching it, and I actually started getting hooked on the first season of Power Rangers. And it was because I I was a fan. I don't, uh, maybe you remember Ultraman back in the early eighties, yep. late '70s, early '80s. Ooh. I was a huge, huge fan of the old school, uh, old school Ultraman. Which now I look at it and I'm like, you know, the Godzilla movies are so much better, and they're boring. Why was I watching this? But, you know, but at the same time, there's this cute little campness to it. Uh, and so I'm watching that, and I'm thinking about my, my, my four-year-old self that was watching that stuff and thinking, if I saw Power Rangers at that age, I would have been the hugest fan of that show. I would have, like, dressed as a Pink Ranger. I would have been the Pink Ranger. You know, <laughs> I, would, I would have probably, like, even dressed as Rita uh, you know, because I love Rita, by the way. Oh, my God. She's one of my favorite sexy witches. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, so I could, I could see that the, the childhood me would have loved the show. So I ended up watching the show pretty religiously, and I have seen every single episode of the original Power Rangers through Zio, like all the way through. Nice. And, and I've seen um, also the Dino Rock, some of the Dino Rock ones, all of Mystic Force which is actually my favorite of all the seasons. Uh, that, and then there's the one about the police squad in space. Uh, do you guys remember that yep. one? Power Rangers, P, uh, PD, some, I always forget the SPD. name of it. Yeah, it's Power Rangers SPD. They had the dog Zordon. That was really good. And it was really good because it wasn't like they were the main Power Rangers. They were like the B squad. <laughs> you know, they were the underdog right, Power right. Rangers. And I kind of dug that a lot. So, you know, uh, you know, Mystic Force just had the look of Disney budget behind it. So it actually ended up being my favorite, probably because it has the highest production values of a of a, a, a Power Rangers episode. But at the same time, you have to love the old school, like, you know, let's put the guy in the suit. Ah, just, 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 fight, 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 bad dubbing, bad dubbing, fight, 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 fight. I mean, it's great. Um, you know, uh, you know, even and it's on the cheap that even the guys who are producing the show are playing the guitar parts 
on the team. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. You know. the, the the mighty raw Aaron Waters, I believe his full name is. Um, uh, I actually ha- I have one of his CDs somewhere because um, I joined the uh, Power Rangers fan club, uh, which again not the target demographic, but I got all kinds of cool stuff, including the uh, the CDs. Oh, Ron Wasserman, I'm sorry, Aaron Waters is yeah. There you go. Is a, is a guy that works for Mailchimp. That is not the same guy from the Power Rangers, although he might find that amusing. Uh, Ron Wasserman is the Mighty Raw who uh, recorded the music for um, uh, for Power Rangers. Now, uh, Aaron Kogan, you've been kind of quiet here. Uh, you know, are, yeah. are you a fan of Power Rangers or or Sentai? I actually came at it more as a Sentai um, angle when I was first watching it because I was a fan of you know like animes like Voltron. It reminds me of that as well, of course. And I was a huge Voltron fan. Who wasn't in the eighties? Yeah. Voltrons in the eighties no. were awesome. You know, Voltron uh, so. rules, and uh, I'm really excited where the new Voltron is going that Netflix has been doing. But uh, I'm excited for the new Gundam that's coming out. There's a new Gundam girl. coming out. I can't. Oh, I cannot wait to see Gundam. So oh, anyway, yeah, I, sorry, I digress. I guess. My, <laughs> I guess my uh, my first introduction to that sort of thing was a uh, journey into space. Johnny Sacco and his giant robot, and uh, ate it up. With a spoon, love that shit. Uh, but <laughs> you know, does, does everyone know Johnny Sacco and his giant robot, Journey into Space? No, uh, that's no. a new one on I me. Do. I don't, I don't know. That. Oh, I remember that one. Oh, you need to do oh, some Google work, my friends. That was right, the shiznit, right. yo. Now this is the era okay. of you know big rubbery uh, Godzilla and uh, Gamera, but man, it was so much fun. And, is that the uh, one about, yeah. the, about, the, about the kid and his family? He had a rocket family? Or is that no, a different one? No, that, it's a kid that, and a sort of a super secret agency thing. Uh, and he's got a little wrist thing with which he controls this giant robot. Uh, if if you saw him, you'd recognize him because he's I'm a big sure thing in popular I've culture. I'm sure I've seen it. I'm sure He looks a little Egyptian, like an Egyptian headdress on this robot, which is a little weird. Yeah, but weird. this is closer to a... This is a little bit more kaiju than than Sentai, though, right? Mm. So, or is it one uh, of those weird fusiony things? Yeah, yeah, and and actually a little more on the Robotech side and and the Gundam side, really. But um, or I guess really it's it's Proto or Ur Gundam because it's even before that. But I was going to say uh, when uh, the other series came on. I, I I found them really campy and cheesy, and it was hard for me to to look at it as anything other than kind of a funny joke. I am looking forward to the new movie actually, to to seeing what they do with the reboot. Uh, but as far as the old series go, they they didn't really draw me in. Also, I was hugely disappointed that they were so anti-union. Bandai, I think it was. Oh, uh, well, yeah. The first season, yeah. uh, the first Bandai and Suzuki and, and Sabian, yeah, no, none of That's those people it. were very Sabian, union yeah. friendly. Yeah, no, they were not very the union friendly. Uh, the red, yeah. uh, the original red, yellow, and what was the Black Ranger? All left at the same time. Over Union yeah. I actually went to the panel at AwesomeCon and saw the, the reunion of the Power Rangers. I've met every Power Ranger from the original class except for Kimberly. I haven't met the Pink Ranger yet. i got to fix that. Uh, met Jason David Franks <laughs> when he was 22. 
right after he was famous. And that was just amazing. I didn't even, I, I was like at the mall, just doing mall things, right? So I was here line. I, I told the story on the show a hundred times, and I was like, what's this line for? And they go, this is David Frank. I'm like, Power Rangers, yes. I got right in line. I didn't, I just shook everything else. I got in, then shook his hand. He was 22. He was as beautiful as you think he was. Oh, my God, he was gorgeous. And he's also going to be at Awesome Con this year. So I can't wait to I – I actually do not have his signature yet. So I have only shook his hand. That was one of those meet and greets they used to do at malls once upon a time. Uh, so, uh, you know, I got to get that fixed, you know. And I've met mm-hmm. uh, the second Yellow Ranger because, unfortunately, Trina passed. They played Trina Plast in in the 90s, and that was really really sad or early 2000s. And um, that was Keisha. And what was and I met Rocky at Days of the Dead this year. So I'm caught up on my Power Rangers almost. Uh, so I I hate to say this, this old 40 year old woman here uh, actually likes the show. So uh, and I watched it with my daughter. My daughter discovered it on her own. Like she just said, "What is this?" Put it on. And that was it. She watched all hundred some episodes of the first season. Wow. Uh, the only thing, yeah, uh, the only thing I could say about the first season, there are obviously some issues like color codes <clears throat> and things like that. Uh, but yeah. you know, but yet there's something kind of enduring about those original episodes, especially their humor. Like, and I'm not talking about Bulk and Skull. I I thought Bulk and Skull was so unnecessary; it was not funny. Like the whole point in the first season is to harass the Pink Ranger, and even at, in college, I was like, no, stop harassing the Pink Ranger. <laughs> so, you know, she she could kick your ass, guys. You don't even want to know. <laughs> so. Um, you know, and by the way, I, I I love her. The Pink Ranger's still my favorite. Um, so uh, uh, I was a little skeptical though about the new movie, and this was where Sean was talking about. I'm gonna bring you back in here, Sean. Um, no cautiously optimistic, and it comes down to like I actually think that the Power Rangers are gonna break, make or break by three characters. Who plays Goldar? Who plays Rita? And who plays? Mm. Uh, the robot on you know those characters are have to be good. Yeah, Alpha Five. Those characters have um, to be interesting, or we're gonna be like annoyed constantly. Because I can see Alpha Five going completely Jar Jar Binks on us. You know, <laughs> it's completely possible. You know, yeah. but but I was really skeptical in particular about Rita. Rita is my girl. And Elizabeth Banks got hired, and I'm like, okay, Elizabeth Banks blanks isn't everything, but she's a pretty solid person. You know, she does what she does good. She understands genre. She's been in some big genre films, in fact, and she even is now got a composition, eye for composition. She directs movies now. So, okay, I'll give her that. Then I saw the design of her outfit, and I'm like, uh, okay. That's really where I started mm-hmm. getting worried, was I saw the designs for the Power Ranger costumes and stuff, and I thought, they look a little bulky, and then it started getting better. Then I saw Elizabeth Banks walking in the costume, and I completely yeah. changed my mind. That was yep. it. I'm, I want to see it. She looked great. She's beautiful. She's evil. She's everything I want in, in Rita. So I'm cautiously optimistic as well. So, um, so, Sean, what, who, of all the episodes and shows of Power Rangers, is there any that stand out in your mind the most, or who's your favorite characters? Uh, my favorite character is uh, the original Mighty Morphin Red. 
Um, that's actually <laughs> where the whole Rad Ranger and everything comes from. I was a huge Austin St. John fan. Uh, and let's be honest, it wasn't even really Austin St. John. I just liked the Red Ranger as a character. I liked, uh, I liked Jason. Um, he was a, uh, he was just an interesting character. Um, uh, and I was like, well, yeah, this is great. And even when Tommy came in, Tommy was great. And I, and I kind of am drawn to sort of the anti-heroes and, and the outsiders in general, but, um, and I don't know. I, I I thought he was cool. I thought the Green Ranger was awesome. I thought the White Ranger was awesome. I thought uh, Green with Evil is a fantastic storyline. And I and to be I honest, feel, I think that I feel, a lot of that. Go ahead. I, I actually I was just gonna say I actually prefer the Dragon Zor over any other Zor that's been on any episode of Power Rangers. My favorite. Well, because it looks like anyway. Godzilla. I mean, it's basically just Mecha yeah. Godzilla. Uh, and then <laughs> it, and then it Voltron's up and and joins with the other with the other Zords. Um, yeah, the T-Rex Zord is kind of... With a flute. You control it with a flute right. that's shaped like a dagger. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely it was definitely the coolest Zord. It was, and it was... Well, it took me a while to finally track down and get a complete version of that toy, but I've, I've got two of them now. I've got the new... Uh, uh, a Toys R Us exclusive um, Legacy Series Dragon Zord um, and the all-black variant, and then uh, I've got one of the original original dragon swords at one point in time i even had a dragon dagger but that got uh that got um given away to uh a friend of mine her sons were big power ranger fans so uh so, they, so what's they your had rarest, better use for it than me what's, what's the rarest piece in your collection uh, if you don't want to mention it you don't have to mention it if you feel uncomfortable no no no, no, no i don't i don't know that i have anything that's that's that rare because i like i said i mostly just collect um uh, Mighty Morphin Red stuff. So I've got uh, the original Karate Action one where you, that's the um, eight-inch figure that you push the button on his back and he kicks and, and all that stuff. I've got the very original, the very first um, uh, Mighty Morphin Red, just the regular posable eight-inch figure. Um, I got those when they came out. I was able to track those down, which was a feat in and of itself because those toys kind of had the cabbage patch effect when they first came out. They were really hard to get a hold of, but... Uh, I lucked out and found a comic book store in Stone Mountain, Georgia, that was kind of small and um, not, didn't get as much foot traffic. And they had a, a big collection of Power Ranger stuff. And I think I basically went in and bought it all. Um, well, you're lucky because original... I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area. Forget it. You couldn't find a Power Ranger for, like, you could find Blue Rangers everywhere. And that was it. Hmm. Like, that was right. it. For some reason, no one wanted the Blue Ranger, which I think was totally bullshit because Billy is awesome. But, you know, but uh, he's also the longest continuous person on any Power Rangers episode. He's done more episodes than any one actor. So, you know, he gets yeah, that credit. Yeah, and he, and he for, had some many, many bullshit. He got, and he went through some bullshit, too. I mean, like, he was in the closet, and he had a real hard time of it during that. He, he's very open about it now. But listen to him talk about go. I mean, these kids were not necessarily – there is a black eye under all of this uh wonderful fun camp that these kids were kind of exploited because of union issues and and they weren't very nice to them and they weren't very nice to them either uh they were kind of mean to them uh but at the same time they also had a lot of fame and they all had great careers even after Power, power rangers a lot of these guys went on to do even if they weren't in the limelight they did really well for themselves uh you know even even uh the original yellow ranger uh, she was actually going to school in the University of San Francisco, which is one of the best medical schools in the world, um, when she died. She died in San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, you know, I was home and watched it on the news. They talked about it. I was watching Power Rangers, and they broke with that. I, I was like, holy shit. 
uh, you know, it was on because uh, we our local station is the RCW station was out of San Francisco Channel 44. You rock. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, but anyway, uh, so I, I so there's that part of it too. But at the same time, I think like they learned their lessons over the year and things kind of improved. And I even think the writing got better over the years. Like it's, they did try to do fun and fresh stuff with every season. And I give them credit for that. Cause I mean, the formula gets stuck. The problem with Sentai and a lot of these formulas, you have the, and the power Rangers is a set formula. There is no diverting from power Ranger formula. Okay. <laughs> you've got the, you've got the, you know, the, the American stuff cut it intercut with the Japanese stuff in a certain line, yeah. and every, and a certain progression, you know, they fight once without their outfits and then they're in their outfits and then they're out of their outfits and Vulcan Skull does something stupid. And then they fight again and then they, Rita makes them grow and then they turn into a robot and they fight and they win. Everyone's happy. You know, that's basically what and then, Oh, and then don't forget Vulcan Skull. With all oh, that I saw that episode. Around. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Did but, you ever uh, see but, the one where. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to be silly. Go ahead. I know, but I'm just, but they, but it's funny because you watch later episodes like the one about the cops, and then you know, Mystic Force tried to put this like uh, Lord of the Rings type spin on it, which almost worked, didn't quite work. Like I said, it's my favorite season though. I really, really enjoy that season because I'm all about like sword and sorcery, and, and that's also the only other season that had uh, the chick that played Rita come back for a small cameo, and so I love that too. Um, so uh, I actually never got really into Zod once Rita like married him. I actually said, Rita, you're better than Zod. You you can control look you 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 know just dump some of your assholes around you. You know what you're doing. He's not going to do any better than you. And he didn't. He didn't do any better than her. So, you know, he can't break the formula. So it's very hard to break uh, Sentai's formula. Um, but, you know, I don't know why it, why Power Rangers in particular took on in the America, other than everyone saw it, though. Because, like, Sentai has been around in Japan for a long time. It's its own subgenre of television there. Uh, you know, so... I don't know what the demographics is. I'm sure it's similar to anime, probably 40% females and 60% males watch, you know, something along those lines. That's at least the anime numbers. Uh, but I would, you know, I don't think that's relevant to American numbers to compare their, you know, their demographics to ours when it comes to watching shows. But uh, why, Sean, why do you think this show caught on so quickly and so fast? Because when it hit, it hit huge in those days. Um, well, I think part of it, so I know for, for me, it was this weird mix. I grew up being a huge Saved by the Bell fan, uh, and also grew up <laughs> watching a lot of Godzilla, uh, like you said, Godzilla and Ultraman on, um, you know, the, the UHF channels on the old televisions with the, with the twisty knobs. And, um, I, when I sat down and watched Power Rangers, it was like Godzilla meets Saved by the Bell, and it was just this perfect sort of merging of the two. And I was like, well, the people that made the show aren't aware of this, but I am their target demographic for this kind of thing. Like, this is amazing. This is, you know, this is uh, peanut butter and chocolate uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, so I was hooked immediately. Mm-hmm. But, but I think if you look at a lot of the kid shows growing up, like the stuff that I grew up with, the He-Mans, the Thundercats, uh, Silverhawks, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all of that stuff, you had sort of this perfect 
melting, you had these bright primary colors, which every kid is going to be absolutely attracted to. You didn't kind of get outside of that until you got into the, into the Green Ranger area. So bright colors, a lot of activity. It's a very kinetic show. Um, there's just a lot going on. It's throwing a lot of stuff at you. Uh, it's kind of one of these everyman shows in that these were just five regular teenagers. You know, the only thing that they really had going for them, as we learn in the, uh, the intro music, is uh, teenagers with attitudes. Um, yeah. And to be honest, you could jump on at just about any point. The, the intro, particularly for Mighty Morphin, it's not so much in, the, in some of the laser seasons, but in Mighty Morphin, you could watch the entire intro and know exactly what you were working with because they gave all of the backstory. They summed up basically the first three episodes in the two-minute intro set to this awesome rock music. So any kid could sit down, and as long as you saw the intro, you knew who all the characters were, you had a general idea of what to expect, and you knew the backstory. You're like, okay, well, these are five kids that were recruited to fight aliens. That's rad. So, yeah, I'm going to sit down, and then, you know, you just start flashing bright, shiny colors across the screen, and, you know, most of your kids are going to sit down and, and just be absolutely glued to the television. You mix in robots and uh, and a little bit of high school drama, and you're kind of appealing to um, – both the young boys and young girls demographics of the time, you know, you're kind of melding what those two at a time when shows were very different, you know, the shows marketed towards young girls and the shows marketed towards young boys were very, very different. Uh, Power Rangers was kind of like, oh, we're going to take a little column A, a little column B. And suddenly, yeah, it's, I mean, you've got badass females uh, that are villains and heroes. Um, you know, you've got ninjas, which who doesn't like that? Uh, and you got your little bit of comic relief, you know, your 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 Shakespearean fools in the forms of a uh, Balkan skull. <laughs> my um, my friend uh, Eddie, his wife, he met his wife at a parade. Get this, she was working for a uh, one of those uh, companies that sends people out to kids' parties dressed as characters. Guess what she was playing that day? Uh, I'm gonna go she with the Pink pay- Ranger, probably. Pink, pink Ranger walked up to him as a Pink Ranger, and the rest is history, as they say. Literally, in this case, science, because there are science and math teachers. So, uh, you know, <laughs> so, but all, all, all the nerds, you know, but I always thought that was so oh, cute. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was a Pink Ranger. I, and, 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 and she was adorable anyways, and she ends up with, a, and by the way, the, the original Pink Ranger, a lot of people don't realize that she really was a great gymnast and actually had a really great career and a coaching career after Power Rangers. So, uh, you know, uh, these, like I said, these kids were all actually talented in, you know, ways that, you know, people didn't think, didn't realize. They weren't just like, you know, uh, you know, they, they all were very, very charismatic, talented kids, and I think it has a lot to do with why the original series did so well. Because the kids are great. There's, there's a chemistry in those kids, and 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 even though the writing's really stifling, the chemistry still bleeds through, and and you know, and they just pop on screen, and and I always really appreciated about that. You know, it's a silly show. It's not like say it's like the greatest show on earth. It's not. It's not. But that's part of what makes it cool. And for some oh, yeah, reason. There's, there's... Uh, People keep finding it, and new generations find it over and over and over again. With Netflix having every single freaking season and and episode and holiday special that exists, my daughter's just like cramming Power Rangers. Though she did just recently change her mind; she's been watching Pokemon now, so she just went into that. Uh, she just watched the new Pokemon X Y season, and now she's starting from Pokemon Violet, which is the original episodes. Uh, that's what they call them now. So. <laughs> 
So, you know, she changed, she's changed ships for a while, but she still really loves Power Rangers, and she's always excited when I take her to Awesome Con. She gets to meet one or two of them, and she's like, yay! So, um, so that's awesome. Uh, let's see, it is 10.07, and so I was going to say, Sean, uh, do you have any final things you want to talk about on uh, Power Rangers in the new movie? And um, and also, you should do your plugs, because I always like to make sure that all my people do their plugs, because you got to do your plugs. So. Sure thing. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm excited for the new movie. Actually, uh, my co-host on my podcast, Rad Rangers, Radical Radcast, with Ryan, uh, Ryan Cadaver from the Casting Creatures. He and I will be going to see the movie tomorrow evening. Um, Ryan managed to score some press passes for uh, via one of the websites that he writes for. So we're going to be able to catch an early press screening. And uh, so I, I will attempt to be useful at work tomorrow, but I will probably be distracted for a better part of the day. Um, and Are you going to write a review? Going to that movie. Uh, I may, well, I either will write one with Ryan or I may just write one and make him publish it. But it, uh, Ryan is equally, we actually, um, we, we became really fast friends over two things. The first being Disney's Haunted Mansion and the second being the Power Rangers. If you ever see Ryan in oh public, he usually has a, uh, a red Power Ranger wallet. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so he and I are both huge fans. So, um, I may be so over the moon I won't be able to, to come up with words, or I may be so disappointed that I won't be able to come up with words. So, uh, well, so when, we'll you, see when you do uh, have some words, let me know so I can share um, it. But also, yeah, you should know and, something uh, about Aaron Kogan here. Aaron Kogan is a Haunted Mansion fanatic, like like beyond <laughs> fanatic. That's why, one of the reasons why he lives in Buena Park is so he's close to the Haunted Mansion. So no, no, you nice, guys should... True. You, yeah, no, it's the truth. You should talk to each other at some point. Matter of fact, I oh, yeah. it's uh, we should do a haunted man- mansion anniversary episode this year. Uh, and uh, the it's having its fiftieth what fifty forty fifth anniversary, and Pirates of the Caribbean just had its fiftieth anniversary, which is like amazing. Just had the fiftieth this past Saturday, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So we'll talk about Disney later, but that's why actually uh, that's why I have my boy on because he he knows all that stuff. But but awesome. <laughs> uh, now uh, what we're gonna do now, uh, Sean, and you're welcome to stay on. Uh, we we can even talk more about Power Rangers for all I care while I'm doing this because this is very. I'm gonna go into the community calendar, which is that I list off things that are awesome across the U.S. And uh, we're about to do a preview of WonderCon with my boy here, Aaron. And you can stay on and listen to that, or you can pull off. Yep. It's your choice. So what would you like to do, Mr. Reed? Actually, unfortunately, I am uh, really behind on a deadline for my actual day job. So uh, so I will have to drop off uh, so I can pick back, go back and pick back up where I left off with that. But it was an absolute pleasure being on the show. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, it was way too short, and at some point I'm going to have you back on, and I'm going to have Ryan on. Ryan, I've been trying to figure out how to get Ryan on this pick up Ryan, because Ryan is a, not only is he a great metal musician, but he has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to horror. And I oh yeah, yeah, loved, that, that kid knows loved, more about horror. Oh, it's uh, uh yeah, it's it's yeah. bananas. So we definitely need to have you guys on when we're doing a hardcore horror show, which there will be a few in the summertime. There almost always is. Uh, so, because uh, that's my season, uh, my busy season usually is horror conventions like you. You have yours, I have mine. Cool. So, 
Uh, you know, so uh, and so we'll have you back on. So thank you. It was way too short. Like you know, uh, Brittany ran long, and and so I wanted to make sure you had enough time, and we get. But you know, I I'm so happy that you both could be on. Too bad you couldn't be on together, but that doesn't mean you won't be on together in the future. It was just kind of accidental that it happened this way. It was just a coincidence that you guys were both on the same episode. Sometimes that happens. It's pretty awesome. So thank you for being on the show. And once again, where they can find you again at Ryan, uh, Rad Ranger, Radicast. Yeah. If you just go to theradranger.com, theradranger.com, and I'm also on Instagram and Twitter as theradranger. Uh, you'll be able to find the podcast there and links to the podcast. It's a Rad Rangers Radical Radcast, but uh, uh, it's kind of a long, cumbersome title, so it's just easier to go to theradranger.com and you'll find everything, or just search in any of the social media for the Rad Ranger, and uh, and you're likely to find me. Fabulous. So thank you, sir, for being on the show, and thank you again for being so accepting of me on the podcast panel at Days to the thank Dead. Thank you very much. It was. It was great, and I hope we get to see each other again in person in the near future. Very much so. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, sir. Thank you. So I'm going to let you go now and go have some fun, and and I'm so excited to hear what he has to say about Power Rangers. So, you know. Hogan, are you still with me, sir? I am, but now I have Go Go Power Rangers stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, you, 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 there's some sacrifices to being on my show. I mean, you guys do a lot for me for free, but I, I, I do have to make you pay. For, you know, there is some price to pay for being on the show. You know what I'm saying? Can I tell so, you how much I love that you bring on all these different fandoms? I mean, I'm not a juggalo. I'm not a Power Rangers fan. But damn, I enjoy hearing from those people who do have the passion, who who are into that. That's just fucking cool, man. Well, that's what this I wanted to do because fandom is valid no matter what the fandom is. Even if you don't Amen. like it, doesn't mean there aren't a million people. The millions of people that do, it's not you know. Doesn't mean that they you know. This isn't like they're white supremacist groups. No, they're not wrong. They're creating <laughs> art and they're enjoying art. You know, they're not burning yeah. crosses and, and doing naughty things. Unless they're anarchists. <laughs> then they can do punk music. Punk music is awesome. Breaking windows, yeah. not so much. <laughs> so, uh, but they you really can't have one without naughty, the other. But not that much. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I like, uh, so I, I also like to bust also uh, stereotypes on, on fandoms, including Power Rangers. Because a lot of people have this idea of these Power Ranger fans are just like these little children, you know. No, there's a lot of people that love Power Rangers. And one thing I forgot to mention uh, earlier is um, what some of my favorite people started on effect, uh, the special effects on Power Rangers in the American side. And that was the mm. Trost family. Brandon and Jason Trost and their father were all uh, oh. special effects supervisors on Power Rangers. So, huh. you know... And of course, they directed the FP, right? So I, you know, yeah. I, I, so that it's really cool. So there's a lot of reasons why I actually am a fan of Power Rangers. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that got their start on Power Rangers. You know, yeah, no union issues, 
But at the same time, like Robert Rodriguez, he also didn't use unions. Sometimes the best talent in the world can't get in a union, and you have to yeah. go around it, <laughs> you know. So, you know, there's that too. Now, exploiting people, that's another story. And if you, and I always right. recommend people, if they want to, like, watch a really interesting documentary about how unions work in the film industry, go and watch the feature-length documentary, uh, what is it called? It's uh, it's on the Dust Till Dawn uh, sound uh, uh, DVD, Full Tilt Boogie. It's called, and it's a feature length nice. documentary on the making of From Dust Till Dawn. And there's this whole thing about the union getting upset about this huge set that has all these people on it, including a couple big names like George Cooney, and no union and no medical benefits. So uh, it might not sound like well that doesn't sound very interesting. No, it's totally interesting. Go watch this documentary. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's not just about unions. It's about the creative process of making a movie, especially a person that does, you know, first huge ginormous budget on a film that was a risky business. You know, this film was a risk. Yeah. Dexel not was, yeah. So anyway, so I digress. But anyway, that's a really good one if you want to see, like, what an issues with unions. I always like that. I always like to recommend that. So, mm. so we're going to go into the community calendar. And it's the first full one I've done in a while. So, because uh, we've been doing these back to back. Believe it or not, this is the fourth show I've done in a row. Three this month. Usually I only do two a month. Uh, but because there's so much geekerific shit happening, I and I've been so busy, I had to break it up into you know into some smaller episodes too. Uh, but this is the first full episode. The next episode won't be again until the fourth of April, and that'll be our Cinema Wasteland preview. And I'm also hoping it's a woman in horror episode because I'm going to have some surprises on that episode. I'm really excited about. Uh, so, uh, but in the meantime, let's bring on what's happening before April fourth. Here we go. Let's get my bag out. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty fucking full. The Hauntress yeah. has a lot to talk about. News, special screenings, and special events in the next two weeks. We're in full tilt convention season, Mr. Aaron Kogan. And um, get, and you're about. And I'm allowed to let you take the stage in a minute, but here I got a couple small things I need to mention. First of all, I have to say, and I can't. I'm not gonna say his name on air, but I do want to say that the programmer for my first horror convention, uh, the Horror Finds here in Maryland in Hunts Valley, is where I met Bruce Campbell. It's where I met Angus Scrim and Dan Cosarelli, and it was just one of the best shows. Joe Ripple was security on, in the, on the horrifying conventions and, and ends up being the programmer to Scares That Cares, which is the, uh, my go-to horror convention in Williamsburg, Virginia. Unfortunately, he passed away this week. So I wanted to give a small rest in peace shout out to the programmer Horrifying. Horrifying was a class act and one of the best costume contests I've ever been to uh, and that's saying a lot because I've seen some really good costume contests so uh, so I, I did want to mention on the top of the hour here uh, I also have some news on my end uh, I wanted to mention um, I'm going to start writing again I haven't started right. I, haven't been, I haven't been writing in a while and I was just invited by uh, John Roseland who writes who has a, a website called House of the Tortured Souls and I'm going to start contributing articles in, in April. 
So um, thank you, Mr. Rosalind, for the invitation. I hope it works out. I'm usually really busy, uh, always busy, <laughs> but uh, I, I have a little time off, uh, you know, a little lighter workload coming up. So I'll have time to do some writing and blast some things out, and I'm hoping that it works out. I can g- give them some info, like, you know, kind of like a side diary to the sexy witches. You know, this is what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, so that's what – so I wanted to give that announcement as well, so – now, before we get into the rest of it, I do want to mention, I think I'm going to go ahead and have you do your updates at this point, Erin. I'm going to let you have the floor. Uh, so there's a couple big things. In two weeks, starting on March 31st, we have what I call Comic-Con Light, which is WonderCon, which is this year in Anaheim, which is literally spinning distance from your house. So you can almost you can't quite walk there. It's a little too far for that, but you can take the shuttle. Is that close? Uh, so it's right across the street from Star Wars. I mean, from Disneyland at the, in the Anaheim yeah. Convention Center. And of yeah. course, Star Wars is uh, Disneyland is also in the middle of the season of the Force, which is a two-year uh, event. While we're waiting for the opening of the Star Wars Land in 2018 on Tom Sawyer Island to open up. So um, what do you want to talk about first? I was going to ask you if you could talk about a little bit what the Star Wars Season of the Force is like over in Disneyland. And, of course, give us our preview of WonderCon, because I know you're going. Oh, you know I am. You know I am. And, um, yeah, like you said, WonderCon is kind of known as the little sister show of Comic-Con International. Um, You could debate whether that's true or not. A lot of people nowadays... I uh, like to think of WonderCon or talk about WonderCon as being how Comic-Con used to be back in the day before Comic-Con became so Hollywood and became all about the movies and the TV. Uh, WonderCon is still a little more focused on the comic book side of it, but like its big brother, uh, Comic-Con International in San Diego, it is still uh, popular culture. So you will find movies, TV, games, comic books, of course, uh, all kinds of other things. And uh, I guess the the main things for me going to WonderCon are the panels and the the merch on the floor. Uh, haven't seen anything yet about uh, merch that's going to be exclusive there. I'm going to have to make sure I look for that. But there's a couple interesting things uh, as far as panels and actually a couple previews, too. Um, we were just discussing Doctor Who. Uh, Doctor Who's new spinoff, Class, is going to have its premiere at WonderCon. So we'll get to see an episode of that, and I'll hopefully get into that and be able to tell you what's going on. Um, kind of interested to see where we go with that. Uh, this is going to be the first convention, uh, first major convention since um, Ashley Eckstein sold off her universe to Hot Topic. So this will be the premiere of the new Hot Topic owned her universe. We're still going to get uh, a fashion show and see all the new stuff from her, which is always fun. I, I was did, lucky did enough to Did you see on the red carpet? One woman was wearing the uh, the Ray gown from yes. Force Awakens. 
Yes, yes. There was one woman on the carpet that had the the, the high-end gown that they did for The Force Awakens, and it was an amazing outfit. I actually – it was neat to see it, like, on somebody instead of, like, a a picture, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, or a a dummy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, I digress. Go ahead. No, no, no. Um, I was just going to say I I was lucky enough to talk to Ashley. I think I mentioned on our Comic-Con wrap-up that I was saying so – when are we going to get some stuff for the guys? Because honestly, at this point, there's ties and there's T-shirts. And that's about <laughs> there's all some we really got. Nice, Whereas, there's some nice jackets, but they're really expensive. They've started to come out with some nice jackets, I'm happy to say. Um, but she said that she actually uh, trademarked his universe. So maybe we'll see something to, uh, from that. Well, I'm I'm a little bummed that she stole it to Hot Topic. I don't know if that's going to ultimately plan out because I think Hot Topic is one of these stores that could suddenly just go under for no reason, right? You know, like yeah. vendors can do that at any time too. Suddenly, people are out of favor and it's over. You know, and it's a mall. After that's where all. I'm going to be but, interested to see what 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 they show and you know what the vibe is from their booth. So at that'll be something time, to look for. Yeah, well, at the same time, Doctor Who fits totally into Hot Topic, especially the Her Universe little, like, you know, Jenny yep. dresses that they sell. Right, and, and I really, really love the Jenny dress that has the uh, star pattern that glows that Her Universe yeah. sells. I think it's really pretty. So, you know, so they do, it, it, is, it is kind of like it fits into the Hot Topic vibe. I just, like, I always was hoping, but I always think, maybe I'm getting too old for that store because a lot of stuff I can't fit anymore, but they still have good Funko exclusives, so I have reason to go in there occasionally. Yeah. Buy a record occasionally. They still yeah. have good T-shirts, you know, <laughs> things like that. Although the last time I went in, I went in to try and get a, a, a convention exclusive from back east, which, you know, I was, yay, they're, they're going to have them in the Hot Topics. Went in, boom, instantly gone. So, Got to be quick when you're going for those Funko exclusives. Have you well, been watching my... uh, Guillermo? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, go have ahead. you been watching Guillermo del Toro's uh, Troll Hunters on DreamWorks? Uh, on, yes, uh, on Netflix, whole, I've, rather? I've, I've, I've watched the whole thing with my daughter. So, yes, uh, absolutely. They got the thumbs up for season two, and there's going to be a panel yep. at WonderCon. So that'll nice. be fun. Oh, good. Um, and you know what? It's a pretty good show. It, it, you know, it, I, it grew on me. I, I, I actually kind of enjoy it. And I, I mean, I'm a little bored with the whole chosen one scenario. You know what yeah. I'm saying? A little bit. I think it's a little stale. We've seen it. Harry Potter kind of like like broke the mold, and that was done kind with of it. You know out. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but at the same time, like you know. Like, it's got some really good voice work, and the trolls are really cool design, and, you know, and, and it's funny, and it's action-packed, and so I totally am down with, with Toll Hunter, yeah. so, and, you know. And it's, it's definitely aimed a little younger age, too, but, you know, if I had kids well, at that age, I would totally push them well, towards I, that, because it's a quality product. I like product that, though. Well, yeah. Well, my daughter's seven, and it's aimed at her. And, and what I like about it also is that it doesn't pull its punches. There's some scary stuff that happens. Or oh, there's this whole thing about stealing babies. Lily doesn't like that kind mm-hmm. of thing at all. You know, but if they don't <laughs> want to watch what happened next, oh, no, you can't do things to babies in movies. It really messes her up. She's like, don't do that, babies. So, you know, wow. so, so it, you know. But, but they're trolls. Trolls steal babies. That's kind of how it works. Exactly. You know, else. 
leprechaun still babies. <laughs> Uh, you know, I had, we watched Darby O'Gill and the little people for the first time together. Uh, that was pretty funny. So she had to learn how to, uh, she learned about the come hither. She didn't like that either. Uh, and she definitely didn't Darby like Darby O'Gill freaked me out when I was a kid. Oh, me uh, too. When I, I was about her age. About yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the death coach totally fucked my shit up. I was like, yeah. no, no, uh-uh. But, uh, but so yeah, shame, uh, she, she, she had a similar issue. Say, she, Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a shame your Rad Ranger uh, popped off just now, or we could talk about the uh, connections between uh, the Haunted Mansion and Darby O'Gill, because there's a few things there. But, yeah, I, I remember totally being freaked out by that movie when I was a kid. Yeah, well, and the Banshee still works generations onwards. But the Trollhunter, yeah, it totally, well, it's in that same era. It doesn't pull its punches. You know, I like films that don't pull their punches for kids. I mean, there's, there's, you're not going to show like uber gore. I mean, I'm not going to show my daughter cannibal Holocaust, but you know, <laughs> if they talk about a monster like Peregrine school of peculiar children, a monster whose main violent act is ripping out eyeballs. They better damn show it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's, you know, don't pull your punches. Don't do it. Unless you do it the old school way with the shadow that's different. That's classic, if you know what I'm saying. You know, like the old school way they did it in the classic uh, Universal where they'd pull away and they show the shadow of the doctor doing the surgery. Okay, we'll give a pass mm. on that. But, but <laughs> uh, damn it, pull out fucking eyeballs. I want to see that shit. You know, <laughs> and my daughter yeah. does too. She's a you know, she can handle it. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, if we wanted to talk about Disney here, because we also were going to talk Disney, I did see Beauty and the Beast last night. Uh, I saw so. it Sunday. Do you, right, you want to get into so, it? Uh, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Fuck it. Let's get into it. Okay, okay well, you're, uh, go first. You go first. Here's my, here's my thumbnail review. Uh, if you liked the animated, you're going to love this, too, because while not being slavish, it definitely has its feet firmly in the animated, but I honestly found enough new stuff and new approaches to it to find it really credible and really worth watching. Um, uh, Emma just totally kills it. She, she knocks it out of the park. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the gentleman doing Gaston, and I'm blanking on his name now, is a hell Luke of a lot Evans. of fun. Luke, Luke Evans. Evans. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh-huh. he's, he's hilarious. Uh, if uh, I had one, one problem... Yeah, there's way more CG than I like. Uh, the Beast could have been a lot more practical effects, and as I understand it, they actually did do some practical effects for Beast and then overlaid with the CG and the, the mocap. And uh, I don't know, man. At, at, about 40 seconds into PR Guest, where it's just all dancing cutlery and plates and... Uh, Ewan McGregor is a candlestick. I'm going, uh, this looks like some video games I've played. And well, I didn't it's like It's kind of interesting. I, I watched that sequence, and honestly, I actually disagree with you a little bit. I actually thought the CG... Uh, did you see it in 3D? No. See, I saw it in 3D. I and VR Guest in 3D was pretty fucking spectacular. And I actually was... Oh. I, I do I do agree with you about The Beast. I think The Beast was a B-plus at best. 
like a little bit distracting, but didn't take away from it, if you know what I'm saying. I thought Lumiere looked pretty cool, and I thought that uh, Cogsworth was actually really neat to look at. I liked looking at Cogsworth, how all of his wheels moved and how his expressions would change, and I thought that was all really well done. And I think that guest really held up under the seat under the 3D. And I also it also made me flash back to the movie because, you know, that was the first time Disney actually put CG in a film was that sequence, was Be Our Guest, right? That was the very first time they tried it. So going from um, that to this, you know, well... Was the we Cave of Wonders, yeah. was, was Aladdin's Cave of Wonders first or did that come after? Oh, You're probably right. After. You're probably right. Oh, I'm absolutely right. <laughs> in this <Okay>. case I am. <laughs> Usually I'm not, okay. but in this case I am. No, it was it, it's Aladdin came after Beauty and the Beast, and the first and there's the, there's th- three C- CGI effect shots in Beauty and the Beast. One is Be Our yeah. Guest. The True. other, and there's actually two shots in Be Our Guest that are CG, if I remember right. And then there's one one long sustaining shot in Beauty and the Beast, the number that, and it's it's just basically right. a, a landscape shot. Of the of the hall, and there's not a lot of movement to it. And then the flash shot, and not and the, probably the least effective is the uh, transformation sequence uh, at the end with the beast. And actually, that one was a combination of of CG and uh, uh, animation. And it's actually interesting to watch the pencil test and see what is CG and what is not. And you'd really be surprised what's hand drawn. You're like, really? Those sparkles are hand drawn? Holy shit. You know, <laughs> it's very impressive. So let me ask you, um, <laughs> let me ask you, is it worth going back to seeing 3G if I've already seen it in two? You know, no, and this is why not. You can tell the whole movie was not was post conversion, except for maybe three sequences. Uh, I, I, the CG really did not add to it, except for be our guest and a couple of the mm-hmm. other numbers. Uh, and so, they, uh, like, there's a one amazingly beautiful shot in the the, the ballroom sequence. Um, when uh, you might remember it, most of that's in a long shot and it's not very exciting, but then they come up Mm -hmm. on her and there's sparkles everywhere. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're dancing together. There's sparkles that in CG in 3d was pretty spectacular. Like the whole room just exploded in color and that, that was really impressive. And so that, so there were shots that were obviously set up to be amazing in 3D and not take away from the other, from a 2D screening. So I, I don't think it is worth this 3D, honestly. Uh, mm, okay. It, yeah, no. And the movie's good enough. It holds up on its own anyways. And there's not, and they're not yeah. playing to the fourth, they're not playing to the fourth wall for most of the 3D anyways. Uh, you know, it, it's just, the beer guest was just a really good excuse to show off what they can do. Here's what we did in the 90s. Here's what we can do now. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I yeah. felt about VR guests. Because those little puff balls of color in 3D were really cool. Remember those little puff balls okay. coming out and the little explosion? So that was cool. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna tell you something. First of all, Luke Evans, oh my God, was brilliant as Gaston. Uh, he was everything. Everything I wanted Gaston to be. I actually thought the script did him justice. Gave him some weight to his character. Gave him a backstory. I love that because yep. his backstory in Beauty and the Beast is he's a poor little rich boy. Uh, here he actually was, is a war hero. You know, people respect mm-hmm. him, and you know, it's not just about him being an arrogant buffoon and being rich. You know, even no, though he is still buffoon. 
He's all bloodthirsty, but well, we knew that too. You always like to hunt. That that's always yeah, been but, there. But like, but in this case, you know, he liked to hunt people. You remember when um, when Josh Gad is Lafou says, "Go to your happy place." Yeah, and right. his happy place is war. <laughs> that's yeah, place a little dark, war. man. That's a little dark. I liked it. I liked it. I he too. seemed to be the. He was one of the only people having a good time in the movie. I don't think everyone else was necessarily having a good time. He was clearly having a good time and totally gorgeous singing voice. Uh, you know, the the guest, <laughs> just like the original movie, Gaston is still the most exciting number in the in the in the musical. Uh, you know, uh, honestly, I could have done without a lot of the Tim Rice songs. I thought they were kind of sandwiched in, even though I know some of them are in the, one of them. I think the one that the B sings at the end, because I've seen the play. I've actually gone to see the play on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of those, and he does sing that song. Being Human was cut again, which I thought was hysterical. Uh, they put some other song in that had nothing to do with, like they added it for the movie and they cut Being Human. Uh, the whole sequence mm. with her in the um, in Paris, that sequence was added. You know, there's some weird little things like yeah. that. Um, uh, I actually am going to disagree like. with you about it. Yeah. I didn't mind it. Actually, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the Agatha story was sandwiched in. I didn't think it was necessary. They could have made a lot of that Lefou, and it would still have held up. Uh, uh, actually, I thought I, I, I was always kind thought, of sad that we didn't get a, uh, a wrap up to Agatha. Slash the sorceress. I mean, well, that's she does her thing and if, if she's it, never seen again. If there, if there was a payoff, it would have been one thing, but there was no payoff to that. Now there no. was payoff to Josh Gad, and I do want to point out yes. first of all, like the whole bullshit about him being the first openly gay character in a Disney film is total <laughs> bullshit. Because uh, first of all, the first uh, lesbian kiss in a Disney show—I should say it's a show, not a movie—but it was uh, Once Upon a Time. So first right. of all that and Steve and Steve's universe people, okay. They already did it. Uh, you know, so this is not a big deal. First of all, the jump that Lufu might have a crush on Gaston, oh come on, it's not a very far leap. Give me a break, guys. There's nothing there's nothing in the movie, in the the original animated movie to suggest that, but it fucking fits perfectly. And it, there's it, no it, reason it, not to do it. There's it, 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 there's no leap there. Like I said, it, it makes it makes total sense. Not to mention, you know, uh, you know, so what, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and but it's still actually that part of it paid off, you know, and it was not. Yeah. It was exactly what I expected it to be. I was like, nah, he's just gonna be just gonna be a guy crush, and of course Gaston's gonna ignore that completely. It's kind of nice to know that under a soul that bloodthirsty exterior. That, that Gaston ultimately is not homophobic, and that's good to know. Uh, yeah. You know, but you know, that there's one redeeming quality in Gaston. But really, <laughs> but Lefou is clearly a clo- in the closet, right? He's even dancing with yep. a girl towards the end until literally the last shot of him. Literally, last shot he yep. changes to a guy. Matter of fact, there's a more blatantly like 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 moment. And I don't want to say blatant because I think it's stupid to say blatant, but there's more obvious moment of of, uh-huh. of Homo. It, 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 it was another character completely, had nothing to do with was, Josh Gad. You know, it's actually the so, character that LeFou ends up in the arms of. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. which is a total old school musical trope, right? The one gay couple oh, boy, gets together ever. at the end. Yes, it is. You know, it, it felt like a musical. This is a musical. 
I am going to say something, though, about Emma Watson. I've been trying to not to bring it up. I didn't really enjoy her as oh. as Val. And, and really? I, uh, I, yeah, I don't think it's completely her fault. I think a lot of it has to do with style and direction, but it's the same issues I had with Emma Stone and La La Land. Okay? So their mm. character basically is stand there and sing at the camera or to slightly to the left of the camera, no movement, arms at their side, and they're not being active huh. in their own stories. And that's where I had, she was not, she hardly moved. She didn't move at all. She was always standing in one spot. Every time she sang, you know, I, 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 Paige O'Hara, even though she's being drawn, when she's like, I want to venture in the great wide somewhere, she throws her arms out, right? Yeah. Emma Watson yeah. who just kind of looks out and stands there and sings these numbers. I'm like, no, there's no passion here. Passion, where the fuck's the passion? And and I don't know, if, and I know she has it in her. She's got amazing range. This girl is a really good actress. I don't know about her singing voice, but, you know, she was adequate. She didn't take away yeah. from the movie. You know, no, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to piss on her, okay? I don't mean it that way. I just didn't think I just I just find her the weakest thing in in this whole ordeal. I thought that wow. most of it was pretty good. Clevin Klein I thought was very good as her father. I actually kind of liked that whole side note about her mom cuz I always kind of wondered. They had to move out of Paris. There was a reason for it. In, in the in the musical they kind of allude to that it's just cuz he's a, a venter. Here he's a tinker. There he was an inventor. Uh you know yeah. that he was he, he needed a quiet space and a, a farm where he could, you know, build big things, right? And they right. just moved there. Here Well, I actually like that I was going to say, I, I really like that here, she's the inventor. I, again, a little uh, girl power thing, you know, not just a reader, but, you know, a doer, too. She's an inventor in her own right. I, I want to point out one of the most unrealistic things in this movie is that when they trash her laundry thing, and there's a laundry yep. thing, right? they trash it. And yeah. and I'm like, no, no, those women would have saw what she was doing and said, can we do it too? <laughs> laundry was terrible in those days. It was an all-day yeah. thing. You shared your water. It was dirty. It was gross, and and it barely worked. But you had to do it at least what once every few months, right? And it, yeah. you know, <laughs> so. Uh, but it took all day, and it was a waste of water, and it was just the worst thing. So here we, you know, matter of fact, Renfair has an entire guild devoted to washer women. Yes, you they know, do. An entire go because this task was so time-consuming and its own thing. And, and yeah. yeah, you know, so 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 they they would have never trashed it. They would have like said, "Bitch!" They would have. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about the guys that did it because uh, get off of that. We're going to use that too. <laughs> you know, you just gave me half a day off. <laughs> you know, yep. I can go cook now. You know, so I found that unrealistic. Maybe the not the reading part. You know, yeah, provincial town, not wanting girls to read, might think it's kind of weird. You know, um, yeah. I do. Uh, you know, but but that was I thought I just, that, that was just a personal observation because I know damn hell if I was one of those women and I saw her doing that and just sitting there, I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm doing that. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> magical. Cool. Magical curses <laughs> weren't the biggest problem you had in this movie. It was destroying the laundry machine. That's right. Damn straight. I can, I can handle awesome. enchantresses and, and wilting roses 
and magic mirrors, but trashing the laundry machine, <laughs> no, that's that's going too far, as for damn sure. Um, well, I'm glad we so, both gave it a thumbs up. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm glad we did, too. So, wow, we talked a long mm-hmm. time. I could keep going on. My da- my husband thought, too, he liked it. My daughter, of course, yeah. loved it. Um, you know, yeah. uh, I do think it's worth seeing. Uh, like I said, don't pay for the 3D. Uh, if you want to pay for 3D, go see Kong Skull Island instead. It is worth the money for the 3D. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, um, it's harder and harder to find. I'm re- I haven't seen it yet. I'm really bummed I haven't seen Skull Island, but the drive-in's opening mm. in a couple weekends. I'm re- and, and most of the drive-ins in the country have been opening with Skull Island, so I'm hoping I get to see it there. I, I don't uh, need to tell you this because you, you already know, but for anyone else listening, when you see Kong, Skull Island, stay through the whole film and the credits. That's right. I knew that already. Yeah. Stay for the credits. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and then we'll get the, the Godzilla versus King Kong movie in a couple of years, and Al will be right to the world. Yes, we will. Okay. So, so um, it's 1043. We actually talked a lot longer about that than I thought. So we might not get through through the whole calendar, but that's okay. I wanted you to talk about it, um, Disney real quick and Star yes. Wars. And, um, yes. Um, have you, and I asked you to ride hyperspace. Space, uh, hyper, the hyper, what is it called now? It used to be Magic Mountain. Hyperspace Mountain. Hyperspace Mountain. Hyperspace Mountain. Hyperspace um, I, they're, I think saying really until, just, until, they're saying 2018, which is when the Star Wars land opens. It, it's going to stay that way. Star Wars land is scheduled for 2019. But 2019. Yeah, right, that's right. I'm sorry. You're right. You're yeah. right. I'm sorry. But, yeah, they said it's going to keep it at least that long. We will actually get Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, and we will get the uh, standalone Han Solo film first before we get uh, Star Wars land. But because part of Star Wars Land includes uh, flying our own Millennium Falcon, that's a nice tie-in for the Han Solo standalone. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I, at that point, I'm probably going to fly out and visit you once, you know, if I haven't already. But I definitely am going to go out freaking time. a inaugural <laughs> season and go see the fucking Star Wars Land when it opens. Absolutely. So, right how, uh, so. Did they change the soundtrack on this on Space Mountain? Because my favorite thing of the new upgrade was the, the really groovy soundtrack that they added to the ride. Yeah, they, um, they, in they added. Incarnation. They they've added uh, new music. They've added new effects. They've added new uh, footage, and uh, no word yet if that's going to change with the fil- uh, films or not as they come out. Uh, the buzz is that. Um, tours is going to feature new stuff from the films as it happens. I heard um, that too. So <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to see what the things are. Um, going back over my notes from the last oh. D23, uh, I, I saw that we were talking about Star Wars Land being something totally new. Uh, it, the, what we know so far is. It's in the Outer Rims, so 
like Tatooine, uh, as Luke said, you're, if there's a bright spot to the universe, you're on the planet that's farthest from. So it's not Coruscant. It's, you know, smugglers and what have you. Um, the big as it thing, should be. As it should be. Uh, the thing that I, I remember them stressing over and over again uh, was immersive. Uh, everything, ev- everything you see and every cast member you see is in character, for lack of a better phrase. So there's not going to be a Jedi training academy. You're not going to have your little kid go up and lightsaber battle Darth Vader because that's not what would happen there. It's going to be more like you stepping. Think three steps back from Westworld, but with Star Wars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were talking about things like, have you ever, ever wondered what Bantha uh, fodder smells like or the taste of blue milk? So look for blue milk cocktails in the local uh, cantina, whatever that's going to look like, probably based on the cantina from uh, A New Hope. But uh, I'm, I'm get... so curious about, like, I, I, I won't be able to resist. I'll be there. I know I will. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you, you know, kidding? I, <laughs> I'll probably Are you have to buy the damn there. pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, surprised you don't have which, your own little like 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 capsule in that in that structure like and you like like like, like a coffin hotel and you sleep in it you know in the same I, I, spot. If they would let me, you know, I would. Uh, <laughs> the, the rumor is, you know, and again, this is just rumor, but the rumor is that they're actually considering a separate pass for Star Wars Land. God help us all if that's what they're thinking. I I don't see how that. They'd be able to do that and justify the jumps in admission. But just so you know, there is talk about it. Uh, (laughs) God help us. Yeah, that would just suck. I mean, it's already like, you know, a family of four cannot afford to go to Disneyland anymore. Uh, You know, so it it would be like really bad if they did that. It's it's as far away from Walt's original vision of, you know, a place to take the family where dad can sit on a, a bench in front of the carousel and everybody's had something to do and everybody's having a good time. It just, it couldn't be further away from that now. And although I'm a Disney fanatic, you know, to the bone, there's part of me that goes, Hey guys, what about back over here? What Walt wanted to do? Haven't we moved from that whole thing? But I mean, the parks are jam-packed practically every day, so I don't really know what the solution would be. Um, well, if you, no matter what, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to come out and do Star Wars if you come out with me and we meet up and do Avatar together. That sounds like a plan. Because I, I know you want to go. I do. <laughs> I very do. And, I, I, and, of course, I have to see I, I, I'm not a how, fan of Avatar, but I am a fan of bioluminescence, and I want to see that. Oh, yeah. So, and so, and Joe um, Rohde, the the the, uh, the lead Imagineer, uh, who has his own cult following, he's he's kind of the second coming of Walt, really, uh, for some of the uh, uh, Disney fanatics. He was so heavily involved with the Avatar experience in Florida. I just know it's going to be good. Uh, I I would bet money on. But the other thing, the other reason I have to come see you and, and go to Florida with you is. Orlando's getting its own Star Wars land. 
so it I have is. to compare it and contrast. Yeah. Of course, and you now, and you have in, and you have to and even though I don't like going to Universal very often, the Harry Potter shit's pretty awesome. So you know well, it'd be you can you know compare and contrast those two. So that's <laughs> but uh, that's true. You know, um, speaking of which, um, you know what's happening this weekend here in Baltimore? We are having our first ever um, Potter Con. So uh, you know. Uh, and it's it's a twenty. They're calling themselves Potheads, and it's a it's a first annual uh, drinking uh, and mingling. Death, it's for singles and twenty four year, uh, twenty one years of age only. So if you want to go and meet your fellow Harry Potter fans that are old and can drink, you can go to this. Wow. Thing. So that's a and it's it, where is it? At? I always it's at the Baltimore Soundstage, believe it or not. So I think that would be hysterical. But um, us nerds huh. have to stick together. Not a, <laughs> Do so, we have uh, anyone you know, there who can report for us on this? Uh, my, my friend Heather was going, but I saw that she said that she was kind of looking to get rid of her ticket. So, no, I don't have anybody oh. that I know is going. But I'm going to see if I can find someone because, yeah, I'm really curious what that kind of mixer is like. So um, we're, we're almost out of time, Erin. So I'm going to go through real quick and read some of this shit off so people know what's happening because there's so much going on in this world. And geek world in the next two months, I can't even imagine. Like, I'm going to be just crazy. It's awesome. It's great. I mean, Star Wars Celebration's coming up, too, and Mystery Science yeah. Theater 3000, and yeah. I Zombies new season in April, and Cinema Wasteland, all that's in April, and March is just crazy. Like, first of all, today on Netflix, we got not one, but two Dave Chappelle specials, and I know that's not quite geekerific science fiction, but Dave Chappelle is fantastic and deserves to be noticed. And, um, and somewhere, Goon 2 dropped somewhere in Canada on March 17th and it hasn't been released in America yet. So we got to find that. So look for those things. Those are my last of my big news, but events, <laughs> there's so much shit happening. Mad monster party is this weekend. That's the next major media convention uh, for horror geeks. Um, Mad monster party uh, is always scares. The cares always has a presence there and Joe ripple. Um, and we always go, where is Kane Hodder? Well, this is where Kane Hodder is on um, this week. Um, you know, if you haven't <laughs> seen him now, the man still doesn't matter where he's at, brings lines around the block and people crying for him. It's amazing. Um, he's headlining with Rick Fair and Billy D. Williams, speaking of Star Wars and Han Solo and everything. Um, and uh, so that's in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina. Here back home, once again, I want to mention Regeneration Who. It's one of the reasons why we talked about Doctor Who. Um, it's here in Baltimore, the largest Doctor Who convention on the Mid-Atlantic. Headliner is Sylvester McCoy, the seventh Doctor. And he also, if people don't know that, he also did Radagast the Brown in the Hobbit movie, Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. Uh, so yeah. he's going to be uh, there, and there's a very nice collection of companions and foes following up with him. Uh, once again, Awesome Con just announced that uh, we're going to get Jenna Coleman and we're going to get Billy Piper uh, and their company, John Barrowman and uh, David Tennant. And all of those people are going to be in a big photo op. It'll cost you like $700. It's ridiculous. Um, but it's cool that they're going to be there. And I'm going to totally go to their panel. So especially David Tennant's panel. Oh, my God. I can't wait. And Billy Piper. I love her. Uh, so uh, one of my uh, – Aaron, you and I are both traditional amusement park fans. And um, Canoga Lake uh, Park in Pennsylvania recently reopened. Um, it's a traditional vintage music park, and we're really happy about that. And they're opening with a ghost hunt and stay over with Steve Perry himself of Ghost Hunters. Uh, he's going to have a special um, – 
uh, stay over at the hotel there, and you can. It's sold out, but you can see if you can still get last-minute tickets. Um, and yes, you will be doing active location haunts through the hotel. The show will be taping, and um, it's going to be awesome. So if you were into that kind of paranormal activity crap, do that. I mean, doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and absolutely. I will tell you. And and Canonic Lake is a beautiful park. It's traditional, beautiful roller coaster. You know, it's exactly the kind of park you uh, trolley park you have in your brain, Aaron. You know exactly what it's mm-hmm. like. So, and those are always the most fun at night, anyways. Right? All the creepiness and all that cool stuff. Um, we already mentioned Baltimore PotterCon, which is this year. Um, on the 26th, though, I also want to mention, because I always like to mention, um, uh, Brittany Goldilock is a burlesque, uh, and Dr. Who, she's actually, we didn't talk about it, but she's a nerdlesque dancer. She does burlesque. Um, and um, uh, I always like to, like, shout out to our nerd burlesque girls. And Nerdvana, which is in Raleigh, South Carolina, uh, is doing Goddesses of Geek- Geekdom at the Spotlight. And so um, it's, um, you're going to get, if you want to ever see what uh, General uh, Leo looks like um, stripping and or or Ambassador Diana Prince or any of the or Supergirl or whatever you get to watch them dance and so that's um, at the Spotlight in Raleigh, South Carolina. Uh, back home in New Jersey, we have the NJ Horror Commons Film Festival and guess who's the headliner on this one? John Waters. John Waters. Right Empire. on. Yep. Um, you have to have a special VIP ticket to see him. He's only one night. Um, it's reasonable it's a hundred some dollars for the weekend plus the vip ticket which actually in the scheme of things isn't so bad uh it's just a little bit more than i can pay since i just did monster mania so i have to let this one go um mathard lillard and tracy lords tim remy michael berriman all round out this nice list of convention regulars i am the touring frankenhooker panel that's been going around the reunion is going to make a stop at this one and i've been trying to hit this panel and i keep missing it so but uh oh. you know i got the movie though sorry they have signed Ruby. um don't forget though of course on the 24th power rangers comes out we got to make sure, yes, this was a Power Rangers episode. Uh, but also, there's another major science fiction film coming out the same day, and it looks really good, and that's Life, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds. Um, I, I liked everything I've seen about this film so far. Have you seen any trailers for it? I've seen trailers, unfortunately, and everything from the trailers are good. Unfortunately, the review I read says it falls apart in the last reel. So. Oh, no. Fingers crossed. We'll give it a try and see. I'm still going to give it a shot because I always – it looks like a good old school, really good old-fashioned science fiction film. So I'm really – and I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Ryan Reynolds is hit or miss for me. It depends on the movie he's in. Uh, Mm. You know, like, you know, I like Smoking Aces more than I like Deadpool. Actually, what? I know. Aren't I terrible? That's just crazy I'm a terrible talk. Human being. Yeah. I'm. I'm insane. I know. I'm insane. I'm insane. Okay. <laughs> but but anyway, so I'll give it a shot. But um, and for people who don't want straight up science fiction on the same day, and I'm only plugging this because I know this this these writers have a fan base. Uh, the Chips adaptation comes out. The Chips TV show. Uh, the reason yeah. why people have a fan base about it is because it's written and directed by the same guys who have done the two Twenty One Jump Street movies that came out. Uh, with uh, uh, Channing Tatum, and those are were huge hits, by the way. And the first one's actually pretty funny. I actually thought the first movie, you know, especially Channing Tatum, I have like a soft spot for him. And I just him up, up at the board going, "Math is my bitch." It's just fantastic. Anyway, I was like, like, mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, but that comes out, uh, and then of course they're doing the Baywatch movie also in the summertime. <laughs> so um, I'll. 
Ooh, also, um, Hudson Horror <laughs> Show and Babe the Alamo Yonkers is on the 25th, and that's Vampire Lovers that came without warning, and the Candyman's 25th anniversary screening. Um, there's on. also a 15th anniversary screening of Donnie Darko on the 30th to the 31st, special 4K restoration. It'll premiere at the Vista. It premieres at the Vista, Aaron. In Los Angeles on March 30th. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. No, no, I've got it marked. Okay. I've got it marked on my calendar. Oh, oh good, 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 good. Yeah. I remembered. See, I, I made sure that I, I, I got you in mind. Uh, it opens in L.A., and then it goes to the Cine Family in New York and the Metrograph on the 31st. And then Donnie Darko will open on a limited theatrical run in Denver, Columbus, uh, Pittsburgh, Phoenix, and San Francisco on the 31st, and in El Paso and Detroit on the April 7th. There's also uh, screenings will be in Jacksonville, Austin, Dallas, Hulu, Honolulu, Lubbock, Baton Rouge, Sioux Falls, Oklahoma, Tucson, Durham, and Stratford. But those are in March and April, but those will be like standalone screenings. So I, I will link the coming soon page that has all this shit on it. But definitely Donnie Darko in 4K is going to be gorgeous, gorgeous movie. So speaking of Jake Gyllenhaal, um, yeah. and of course Ghost in, Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson on the 31st, and The Black Coat Daughter. Please don't suck. Yeah, so there's so much science fiction out there. It's amazing. This is a great time. Look around, look around, how lucky we are to be alive right now. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still Hamilton oh, oh, oh. up, yes. Go ahead, quick, because we're about to go. Throw one thing. Okay, go. No, no, go, go ahead. Quick. Quick like a bunny in one hour at uh, Nerd Melt uh, Showroom, which is at Meltdown Comics in Los Angeles. A bunch of comics are dressed as Disney princesses, and they're going to roast each other. And if I wasn't doing the show, that's where I would be right now. All right. (laughs) Well, that's fabulous. And thank you, Aaron, for being on the show once again. Thank you, Sean and Brittany and Eric. Uh, for all being on the show as well for my science fiction episode. We come back in two weeks in April 4th, which will be our Cinema Wasteland in, uh, uh, preview episode, and I might have some really big surprises there. A couple of people I want, I hope will come on the show that I haven't heard back from yet. Fingers crossed. And we'll also have a WonderCon recap on that episode as well, Mr. Aaron. You don't have to be on for the whole show, but I would love you to call in and talk real quick about what you did and what you saw and all that fun stuff. And then, of course, the next show after that will be the 18th, which will be dun, 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 the Mystery Science Theater 3000 review episode, where we're going to go through every single episode of the new season and talk about it. So thank you all for listening. This is the Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. Stream us on iTunes and Stitcher. And I'm going to leave you tonight in honor of my Atlanta guests with Run the Jewels' new record. And this is Oh Mama. So thank you all. Good night now, and uh, blessed be and good soul hunting. Good night. Gun in the host of it, right in your poster it, somewhere right close to me, just in case the rollers be rolling on the seam. I want to keep it in the hosiery. I'm known in my town and on trips where high rollers be. I'm up early where the money's cold, sipping cold just be. A country boy chilling in Brooklyn like left is so for me. Fuck with us, you fuck with the truth, we speak openly. Never a rat like Johnny Rasko, though, cause ain't no hoe in me. 
Notice me, Senpai, they cry when I choke to speak. Set this crooked city on fire to light the smokery. Old timers speak of us hushed and clutched their rosary. I lust at the greatness, I'm aiming right at its ovary. Better run from the future, Palooka. You acting like it's safe when the revolution's been. There's liars on the roof if we listen to you. Were. The shakers of the truth never singing a tune in. All soft, all soft, all soft. My mama said that I'm not living right She said I'm crying on you She said I waited up for you all night I said I'm trying mama My mama said that I'm not living right She said I'm crying on you She said I waited up for you all night I said I'm trying mama I'm trying, mama. 